Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to this podcast for College Success Formula members. I'm Tom Bodorf, co-founder of College Success Formula, and the title of tonight's podcast is The Canadian College Option, a Growing Trend for American Students, the Canadian College Option. My special guest tonight is Eric Goodhart. Uh, Eric is our Senior Admissions Counselor and is a charter member of our advisory team here at College Success Formula. Welcome, Eric. Well, thank you for having me tonight, Tom. You betcha. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate that. Well, Eric, first of all, uh, why should American students consider Canadian universities? Well, there are a number of uh, <clears throat> reasons, but uh, the first one uh, is financial, uh, but it's not uh, simply because the college, the cost of attendance of a, a Canadian school may be uh, less costly than a comparable U.S. university. Uh, it's, <clears throat> it's, it's more than that. It's, it's the philosophy that students or uh, the country has towards education, towards higher education and, and secondary education. Oh, okay. So, uh, you know, presently, I think uh, the exchange rate, uh, when I wrote uh, an article, it's on my blog, smartcollegeplanning.org, the, uh, the dollar equals one, $1.33 Canadian. Uh-huh. So in terms of the financial savings, uh, if a family in the United States doesn't qualify for need-based aid, uh, <clears throat> but may qualify for merit money at some schools, there are the, the advantage, for instance, the University of Toronto's cost of attendance for non-citizens is about $46,530 this year, okay. including indirect expenses. But in U.S. dollars, it's $35,300. Ah. So that's the advantage of the exchange rate. Uh, a comparable school like University of Toronto, an Ivy League school in the United States, would be about 65000 or seventy thousand right. in American dollars. So, it, the other uh, thing, the other reason that I think uh, U.S. students should look north uh, rather than abroad is it does give that uh, international experience. There's a lot more diversification than one might think in a Canadian university um, in terms of other cultures uh, and uh, students from other, you know, different countries uh-huh. and so forth. So it's quite diversified. We don't often think of it that way. I see. Well, now There's a couple. Of, oh, go on. No, sorry. Of okay. Well, now, am I correct in my understanding, Eric, that all of the colleges are publicly funded in Canada? Is that correct? Most of them are. About ninety-five percent of them are. There okay. are about a hundred major universities, uh, and the the ones that aren't publicly funded are the you know religious-based schools okay. uh, or specialty schools. Uh huh. So ninety-five percent are publicly funded, which makes it quite inexpensive for a you Canadian citizen or a dual citizen, U.S. and Canada, to um, really uh, have a, a solid education at very low cost. I see. I see. Now, in, in general, um, how would you characterize the attitude in Canada toward higher education as compared to you know here in the states? There's quite a quite a difference, uh, as I mentioned just a minute ago. Philosophy about education. And there's. Uh-huh. Because for Canadian residents, the cost of higher education is so much less than a comparable uh, school in California, or right? In, uh, California or any part of the United States. Yeah. Um, a lot of families put um, 
their money into secondary schools. There are a number of prep schools in Canada, which, and even the public high, uh, high schools in Canada, uh, put a lot more emphasis on college preparation. Um, and so when they enter, when a student from secondary school enters, enter, enters one of the universities, they're usually better prepared than a, than a student here in the United States who has had uh, high school education and, and gone on to university there. So that's one of the things that I've heard back from the students that I've you know, kind of guided into the Canadian university system uh -huh. that they, they say, my gosh, you know, uh, kids my age uh, know, <laughs> seem to be much more prepared for the basic <clears throat> courses that are given to freshmen up there. Um, because what it translates to is that the high school, the 12th grade in a secondary school in Canada is very more closely in line with a freshman uh, year of college. So uh -huh. when, they, they, when they transition into college, they're much better prepared. Um, so <clears throat> that is, that's significant. And uh, sure. to give you an example of a student I had a few years ago who went to McGill. Now, McGill is probably one of the better known Canadian schools, it's, uh, sometimes referred to as the Harvard of the North. Uh, and it's, you know, McGill and the University of Toronto, uh, pretty competitive. Uh, it's not easy to get into for an out-of-state or out-of-country uh, international student. But in high school, and she went to a very strong high school here in Massachusetts, which um, has a high level, high percentage of students going off to college. And in high school, she was basically a B plus student, um, but she worked hard. She showed uh, that she had the, uh, you know, academic discipline, to, you know, but still when she went to McGill, she was kind of had a tough time in the first year adjusting because of, uh, you know, the academic rigor uh, of McGill. But she finished in four years, um, and the cost, you know, was much less than University of Massachusetts uh, if she had gone there, which is interesting. But what it did for her is it really brought her up to speed, and she's just um, developed an academic discipline, a work, uh, you know, time management. She just uh, experienced a, a huge um growth in maturity and uh, awareness and having gone to, you know, she knew some French, but most of the classes in McGill are in English. Oh, they are. So it's a French province. Uh -huh. um, it's <clears throat> so, and as a result of her academic uh, achievements, she is now pursuing a PhD program with a $35,000 uh, fellowship at the University of Colorado at Boulder. Oh, wow. Uh, so, and that's every year that she's been, you know, she's getting that uh, for her PhD program. And, you know, it's tough, um, but through her experience at McGill, and, uh, that's the kind of academic, uh, you know, the academic rigor, which is, I think, more advanced and more um, higher level of uh, difficulty than it is in a, in a university here in uh, United States. I see. You know, on that note, Eric, you know, we we have this term here in our the states for our schools, you know, called selectivity. You know, some schools are highly selective and so forth. 
and, mm. and I, I've never been a fan of, of the word prestige you know, when it comes to college, but are there then colleges in Canada that have this you know, perceived prestige of the Ivies and the Stanfords here in the States? No, I, I've, I've asked, I've talked to people, uh, talked to Canadians, and there really isn't uh, that, that kind of a brand name paralysis that <laughs> there is here in, in the States. Uh, we often think of, uh, you know, the Ivy League schools, and they've been around forever, uh, and they've developed a uh, reputation, and, you know, it's, but in Canada, um, McLean's, Anniver uh, McLean's Magazine, which is somewhat comparable to U.S. News and Report in the sense that they, they do ratings of schools, they come out annually with different ratings, and they're, uh, in our U.S. News and Report, we always see Harvard, Yale, and Princeton they're kind of going back and forth. Uh, but up in, in Canada, University of Toronto, University of British Columbia, McGill University and, uh, are the three, the top three. But they're, you know, and so Canadian students know that they're tough, but that, uh, you know, brand name uh, thing is not as... Uh, a big a factor. There's a tremendous. There are a tremendous amount of students that go on to the university in Canada, and they're well prepared to do the work. Um, but uh, <clears throat> yeah, there isn't that uh, uh, sticker uh, bragging that goes on here. I think here in the United States. Right. Yeah. We we've used that. Uh term of yours. In fact, we kind of stole it. Uh, brand name paralysis. We use that one a lot. And even yeah. when, when folks have never heard those three words used together, it's self-explanatory. It, that always gets a chuckle because uh, so many families here, not just in California, but all across the country that we talk to, are afflicted with this thing <laughs> that you have dubbed brand name paralysis. Yeah. You know, Eric, in, in your private practice, I know one of your many specialties is in college admissions. Um, what about applying to a college in Canada? How is the application process different, or is it different? And do they use the same applications that we do here, you know, the, the Common App, the Universal App, and so forth? Uh, no, they don't. Uh, each school has their own application. Uh, it's not <laughs> complicated in general. Uh, Canadian, Canadian resident, uh, it's, it's fairly simple, uh, but for an international student or, you know, of course, what we're talking about here is the U.S. Uh, population. What they'd be looking for in an application from a U.S. resident would be uh, the overall transcript, the level of courses that they have taken, it's, uh, and extracurricular activities factor in more for a U.S. student than it would be for a Canadian student. Um, and the reason they're looking for, you know, in that regard is that they're looking for or, well, what can this student bring to us uh, in terms of, you know, outside of the classroom activities that they've demonstrated, you know. So the common application is accepted. The American common application is accepted only by about two or three schools in, in Canada. Oh, okay. Uh, and they're, they're two of them are private schools, Bishop's University, Catholic School and Quest University, and these are private. Uh, and the reason I think that they take the common application is that they're obviously they're trying to attract students from the United States uh, because they have a difficult time getting Canadian students because of the low cost of the of the publicly funded schools. So 
there's no particular advantage of going to a private school for a Canadian resident when the cost of a publicly funded school is so inexpensive. But the application process, some people will say, well, the hardest thing about applying to a Canadian university is to figure out a username and password. Um, <laughs> so it's, 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 uh, it's the transcript, the grade point average. And uh, it's, <clears throat> it's very competitive. Um, for an American student to get into one of these uh, universities in, in Canada. Um, recently, I was looking at the statistics for the University of Toronto, which is uh, currently uh, kind of the top-ranked university. Um, about 2 to 3% of American students are represented, and about 17 or 18% are international. Um, huh. So there's a lot more students from out of the... North America that are accepted from Europe, South America, um, South Africa, uh, than there are for U.S. residents. So, but for those students that are, you know, taking all the uh, challenging courses in their high school and might be uh, qualified for an Ivy League school or um, a a school that is considered most competitive in the U.S. News and Report uh, ranking, and that where the family doesn't qualify for need-based aid at one of these most competitive schools, the Canadian option could be a very uh, good option uh, because a high score on the AP or IB test uh, can really give get you a student can get credit for the first year the whole first year of school oh, wow. of university uh-huh. and finish in three years wow uh, a number of students do that um and the emphasis is you know practical knowledge in you going back to the philosophy of how the canada um views higher education is that you know the students are there to learn um, and prepare themselves for life after college. There's uh-huh. a much more emphasis on that. And it, there's another thing that uh, we see in, in Canada is that more and more universities in Canada are developing co-op programs, oh, which are similar to North, Northeastern and Drexel, uh-huh. which are the most well-known cooperative universities here in the States. But... Simon Fraser, for instance, in British Columbia, a very fine school, um, has increased their cooperative uh, programs by about 25% in the last uh, uh, seven or eight years, which means that for a really uh, sharp student who's prepared for college uh, can finish the academic coursework in three years, but also combine that with a year of co-op and finish uh, that full experience with a co-op under their belt in four years, not five years. Wow. Um, so the co-op is a, a big emphasis in all the major universities. And it's not just internships, but it's the co-op that is, uh, I think, pretty impressive what they're doing. Oh, that's terrific. Now, you touched on, on scholarships, Eric. Are, are scholarships at Canadian universities, are they rather plentiful for U.S. students or just for the, the super, super high achievers? How's that work? Yeah, they're not plentiful at all, I'm afraid. Uh, oh, okay. They're, they're, you know, the high achievers, someone who, you know, 
uh, has received, uh, done something really major and significant. But uh -huh. generally, uh, most all the universities accept the, they use the FAFSA form uh, to, to identify the eligibility for U.S. students in terms of federal loans, whether it be the, the Stafford subsidized or unsubsidized loan. But that's the extent of it. Um, and <clears throat> based upon, you know, the free application for student aid, which gives the family here in the States an idea of what the federal methodology uh, is uh -huh. in terms of eligibility, um, that's the same form that universities in, in Canada accept. But oh. there isn't much need-based grant um, awarded to those students that have need. There might be a modest amount, um, and it could could be significant. Um, but generally, uh, when you look at a Canadian university, you have to translate the uh, Canadian dollar value with the, with the U.S. Uh, cost, and then uh, look then at well, if if the cost without aid, without any loans, is twenty five thousand dollars a year, that means you know the family here in the states would have to come up with twenty five hundred dollar um, U.S. dollars um, right. over ten months. Uh, but the grant, so it, <clears throat> when we're looking at Canadian universities, we do have to obviously take into account the realistic family contribution uh, out of pocket. Sure. Because there's not much for, for American students in terms of grants or, or merit scholarships. Well, now, you mentioned the FAFSA form. Do the publics and the few privates, do most of them take the FAFSA form? Most of them do, yes. Oh, wow. And, and are they qualifying then for Canadian funds or do some of our federal programs like the, you know, the Pell yeah. Grant and the Stafford loan, are those still applicable? Yes, they are. Mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting for an international yeah. school that our federal yeah. funds are, are still available? I, yeah. I didn't realize. That. I don't think people uh, know that, actually. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, <clears throat> you know, and I don't know that may change uh, with the current administration that we have here in the States. I don't know, but that's, um, you know, so that, but the FAFSA, the loan program is something that's yeah. made available. I see. To, uh, American students accepted to, uh, not all, but most of the sure. top the top 20, 20 universities. And, and that's what, when a family or a student goes on the website, uh, and I have links to those websites on my my blog, where they can see and go through the each university website and look at the financial aid uh, uh, eligibility, how they how they calculate it, and so forth. Yeah, one last question on the financial aid element, Eric. Uh, a lot of families here dread the the old uh, CSS profile form you know, from College Board. Do any of the Canadian schools take the profile form or strictly the FAFSA form? Uh, it's, in, it's just the FAFSA. FAFSA uh, only, okay. Because the profile form, which is used by, uh, what is it, about 400, 500 schools here, and I'm not sure how many now U.S. schools use the profile, but that's largely uh, required by schools that 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 offer need-based grant from their own endowment. Right, their own institutional funds, right. Yeah, because there's no institutional funds set aside 
for American students, the profile form wouldn't be necessary. Oh, I see. I see. Uh, Eric, do you have any uh, any particular resources? You know, if a student or a parent wants to learn more about this whole Canadian college option, where can they go for some some really up to date and reliable information on that? Well, I have a permanent permanent article um, that I wrote with links to the uh, up to date information on my blog, and they just you know, smartcollegeplanning.org, and then type in Canadian option, and that'll um, give any anybody interested in Canadian universities, you know, all the information and the links to the uh, the current uh, costs and academic uh, offerings at each one of these schools. Gives you a little idea of the personality of each school as well, um, and the admissions requirements. Let's, let's repeat that for everyone. It's smartcollegeplanning.org and then search for what term? Canadian option. Canadian option. Okay, great. Great. Well, Eric, I want to thank you uh, for joining us tonight and for this great information on an option that is growing more and more popular. Um, now, if anyone has any questions about pursuing this option, um, how can they best contact you directly? Well, they can call uh, our phone number or they can get an email from the, uh, the blog. Uh, my number is 978-820-1295. And <clears throat> someone is usually in the office till, uh, you know, nine o'clock Pacific time, either eight or nine. But if they're, okay. that's always uh, email help at smartcollegeplanning.org. Okay, help at smartcollegeplanning.org. Excellent. Well, mm -hmm. Eric, thank you again. And I want to thank you, uh, College Success Formula members as well, uh, for joining us tonight, whether you're listening to us live this evening or the recording at a later date. And I do encourage you again to visit Eric's website. And once again, that's www.smartcollegeplanning.org. And I guarantee you'll find lots of exceptional college planning information there. Okay, so as always, we're here to help you succeed as you plan for your children's college. And you can contact us at support at collegesuccessformula.com. So until next time, take care. College planning success to all of you, and may God bless. Good night.